Brett McGarry. This week on The Couch Potatoes, we finally got a look at one of the best shows on TV, which returns soon, Better Call Saul. Plus... I'm Jeff Braun. A highly anticipated Adam Sandler movie is out on Netflix this week, and a pretty good thriller in The Good Liar comes to home video. Also, could we see a Lethal Weapon 5? Let's begin. Better Call Saul, as mentioned, is coming back soon on February 23rd. The prequel series to Breaking Bad about lawyer James Gilligan and how he goes on to become the sleazeball we knew and loved in Breaking Bad, Saul Goodman. At long last, we have a trailer for Season 5. All rise. Classic Vince. What's the last name of the creator? Is it? It's Vince Gilligan. And Jimmy it, McGill is McGill. Uh, yeah, 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 there it is. I knew I screwed that up as soon as I saw Vince so Gilligan's name. His name is Vince Gilligan, and he writes Jimmy McGill. That's a weird name to come up with when your name's already Vince Gilligan, isn't it? Maybe he's just infusing himself into the character <laughs> somewhat. So Vince Gilligan, the creator of Better Call Saul and the original series Breaking Bad. Keeping things mysterious. This trailer runs for a minute 41. That clip was the first bit of dialogue in that trailer. Here's the second when a group of thugs come on grumpy but tough old Mike. Hold up, Gramps. So? And then finally at the end, Jimmy McGill, a.k.a. Saul Goodman. All that's left is your many, many misdemeanors. That's it for dialogue. That's it. <laughs> so this trailer shows us a lot, but it tells us nothing about the new season. Although we do see a brief shot of actor Dean Norris returning as Hank. Right. In Breaking Bad, he was the main character, Walter White's brother-in-law and a DEA agent. In this trailer, he's got a DOJ badge, Department of Justice. So curious to see what his involvement in the series is going to be. Other than that, there's no real clue given as to where this story could go. Worth noting that season four ended... October 8th, 2018. So it's been a while since this show's been on, and I can't really remember where we're at. No, that's uh, as soon as I saw that date, I was like, oh, that's why I can't remember anything that happened. Except that at the very end, he was... He gave some sort of uh, clue that he was really starting to turn towards the bad side. That's right. So hopefully there's a nice recap to start the season. Also worth pointing out, in case you missed the news a few weeks back, that season six of Better Call Saul will be its final season. So it's good to know that we're working towards a finish line, which also means the story should take some significant strides this year as we wait to see just how and when he becomes Saul Goodman. This is one of the best shows on TV, which... It's turned out to be such a pleasant surprise because, Jeff, we were both skeptical when they first announced it, right? Absolutely. I was. I flat out thought, like, this is a bad idea. Don't do it. Yeah. Like, will it, will it tarnish the legacy of Breaking exactly. Bad? How do you do an entire series on a scuzzy lawyer who only popped up from time to time on Breaking Bad, mostly for comic relief? I mean, he was certainly an important character, but they, he would pop in and say something funny, and that would be that. But, turns out, this series is an amazing character study. Not just James McGill, but Mike Urban Trout, too, who starts off this series as a good man. But he's been taking on these increasingly nefarious tasks. And as we know from Breaking Bad, he ends up being a guy that you simply do not want to mess with, as we heard from those thugs in that clip, when he breaks the guy's arm. Not an evil guy, just not a guy to cross, because he's good at taking out the trash. He's good at his job. And then there's Jimmy's girlfriend, Kim, hard 
hard-nosed, hard-working, but with a bit of a dark side. She never appears in Breaking Bad, so what ends up happening to her is likely to be a yeah. big deal. Her name's Kim, right? It is Kim. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not doing it well on the names front today. And then there's also Nacho, which I don't... He wasn't in Breaking Bad. I thought I read somewhere that... His name was mentioned in passing by one of the other gangster type characters in the early part of Breaking Bad. So, but uh, both his future is sort of up in the air too. Uh, anything could happen with Nacho. Yeah, that's right. I suspect it's not going to end well no. for that guy. <laughs> and this is probably the most meticulous show on television. It can take the most mundane tasks and turn them into just fascinating television. The pacing is also deliberately slow throughout this series and it's nice actually to see a show with patience so much tv is so fast paced so this show is a refreshing break from the norm so i can't wait for better call Saul to come back consistently one of my favorite shows of the year when it is on absolutely and they earn it the the slow pacing because you know you're going to be rewarded at some point down the road that because it just always pays off somehow it seems like it won't but it always does and and they've done it time and time again and they've just earned our trust with every passing season of both breaking bad and better call Saul. so how can we not be excited yeah the cinematography is always great i love how sometimes they'll just set up the camera stationary and they'll hold it there for 30 seconds 60 seconds as a, someone just slowly walks by or is trying to slide down a hill or a car goes by <laughs> and it it's compelling it really pulls you in so they they take advantage of the art form to elevate what what's actually kind of a simple story really but they elevate it to you know art like this is really this is prestige television so better call Saul making its return on February 23rd for the fifth season and again the sixth season will be its last and you've got a couple of other TV yeah, notes here coming out on February 6th and if you can't remember what happened last time on Brooklyn Nine-Nine I found this on their YouTube page and like I said it's coming back next week it's happening again. The end of season six, we put together a team to take down Commissioner Kelly. I made a suicide squad! It seems to go off without a hitch, but then in the 11th hour, there's a quadruple cross. I just talked to Madeline Wunsch. She's making a personnel change. Wunsch demotes Holt to a beat cop. You are going to look so bad. This season, things have been shaken up. The lieutenant's in charge of the precinct. There's been an assassination attempt, but the shooter is still at large. We have to move. The rest of the squad is learning how to relate to Lieutenant Terry Jeffords running the show. Peralta, you're in charge of the manhunt. I'm going to look straight into the camera and say, if the shooter is watching, I hope you like living between St. Charles Place and Connecticut Avenue. I don't get it. It's from Monopoly. That's where jail is. Whatever, it was a good line. So that's back next Thursday with two episodes. That's great. Brooklyn Nine-Nine, so good. So happy that NBC rescued that show from oblivion. I still don't understand Fox's decision to get rid of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I know it doesn't get the awards nominations like it should, but it is consistently among the funniest shows ever. And uh, it's good for NBC to have that comedy because The Good Place, uh, we record this show on Thursday. So for (laughs) us, The Good Place series finale is tonight. But for you listening to this show, uh, the finale will likely have aired already. Uh, The same goes for why we're not covering 
uh, with a frame by frame breakdown oh, the God. new Fast and the Furious Nine <laughs> trailer, which is coming out on Friday. So, <laughs> so if you're listening to this Friday or later, it's already out. Go find it. It's going to be the best movie of the year. Yeah, and I'm sure Jeff will uh, break that down for you next week during. Uh, well, hey, February movie preview next week. There you go. Uh, what else is coming for TV? Yeah, I just uh, was thinking. Also, when I realized Better Call Saul hadn't been on in like 16 months or whatever it is, I was like, "There's some other shows coming back this year," and I couldn't remember when they were coming back. Or and one of them's Westworld coming back March 15th. That hasn't been on in a couple of years. I totes forgot whatever happened at the end of that one. Yeah, that's going to require me like reading episode plots on Wikipedia for a while or something like that. What did you think of season two of Westworld? I don't know. Which I can't uh, remember. <laughs> <laughs> season two finished June 24th, 2018. June twenty, so that's almost two whole years. Then, yeah, when it comes back in March. Yeah, um, I like the show. It's hard to really you don't. I don't care what happens or what happens to the characters or where it ends up going, but I do find it endlessly interesting. Yeah, and they did. Oh yeah, that's right. They did the thing where they screwed around with a bunch of different timelines. Well, I guess they've done it in both seasons or whatever, but they did it with a much shorter period that they were screwing with in the second season where it was like this is happening today this is happening a week from today and then they sort of right they had the crazy week of, which was from the follow to season one and all this stuff so i think in season three clearly they're going outside of the world there for at least a little bit and our buddy from breaking bad aaron paul's in it oh great yeah. that's right i forgot about that but yeah season one i loved season two i didn't when I say I didn't enjoy it as much, I think the way you described it is great. Even though I don't necessarily enjoy what is happening with certain characters, this is one of the most imaginative shows on TV. Yeah. It's one of the most ambitious. It's one of the biggest shows on TV, just in terms of its scope. So uh, it's an impressive show, and I am anxious to see what they do with this season. And I, I like the sort of nerdy aspect where there's always stuff to read and podcasts to listen to after each episode where they break down everything. and Because... Other people besides me are doing all the homework of like, well, you said this because of this back here and blah, 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 and connecting all the dots. So. And you just get to in, so, yeah, sort of oh, soak in that content. Look, I did all the homework during Lost. I don't need to do it again. I was just like, <laughs> that was fun. It was a blast. It was the show of a lifetime. Now I'm okay being a more passive viewer for some of these shows. So Westworld back March 15th. And then in April on the 19th, uh, Fargo season four is coming back. That hasn't been on in a couple of years. And, and all I really know about this season is it's stars Chris Rock. Well, that's an anthology series, right? Yeah, so it's different every season, but okay. it's and season 2 of that remains one of the best seasons of anything in a lost long time. So, I'm excited to see season 4 of Fargo. All right, up next we're going to tell you what's coming to home video and I see there is a big one starring Tom Hanks. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett, he's Jeff. We are The Couch Potatoes. Let's take a look now at what is coming to home video this week. Mr. Rogers, I'm here to interview you. It is so nice to meet you. This piece will be for an issue about heroes. Do you consider yourself a hero? We are trying to give the world positive ways of dealing with their feelings. Yeah, like what? There are many things you can do. You can play all the lowest keys on a piano at the same time. 
A beautiful day in the neighborhood, starring Tom Hanks and Matthew Reese. Um, Hanks up for Best Supporting Actor at the Oscars in a couple of weeks, or next week, I guess it is. That is out on Digital HD on Tuesday. I saw it when it was in theaters. It's a terrific movie. You're going to cry, so make sure you got some Kleenex with you when you watch A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. A little surprised that one did make more money. Made $60 million domestic, and it's internet it didn't clearly have a big international release because its worldwide total is $62 million. Because Mr. Rogers probably isn't big worldwide, I guess, eh? I guess not. No. Yeah. Yeah, that is a little bit surprising, but what is? people just were waiting for home video. Now's the chance. Yep. Also out on Digital HD, Midway, which is a World War II movie. That also didn't do a whole lot, I don't think. No. And last week we said there was nothing on Digital HD because it wasn't on the list, and now today it was on the list for last week. Ford versus Ferraris out there on Digital HD. That's a terrific movie if you haven't seen that. That thing's underrated. Best Picture nominee. I would say most, not most years, a lot of years that thing would have a shot at winning Best Picture too. Okay. This year it doesn't because it hasn't been winning any of the other awards. Over on Blu-ray and DVD on Tuesday, Doctor Sleep which is the sequel to The Shining. <laughs> or The Shining. Simpsons joke. Yeah. And also The Good Liar, which I actually saw because Warner Brothers sent us a copy of that. So now, my review of The Good Liar. Is that why you think you do it? For the money. It's the game. It's the adrenaline rush. What if it is... And we're tickety-boo. How much do you think she's worth? Millions. I'm going to take it all. Seems like you've had quite a past, Roy. Enough to last several lifetimes. You know, it's very peculiar. Doing things you'd never imagine. Secrets between you, God, the devil, and the dead. Becoming a very good liar. The Good Liar. Rated R. Starring Helen Mirren, Ian McKellen, directed by Bill Condon. Hey, you don't see a lot of R-rated thrillers starring the elderly, so it's sort of novel that way. And when the elderly stars are two of the finest actors imaginable, that's even better. Ian McKellen plays an old con man. He seems to have a few scams going on at any given time, netting him $50,000 here, 100000 there, which he splits with his crew, which includes Jim Carter from Downton Abbey. The scheme we see them attempt is an investment scheme with some Russian nationals. And at the same time he's doing that, he meets Helen Mirren via... Uh, via online dating. There's actually a fun scene at the beginning of the movie involving seniors and online dating. They lie on their profiles just like the rest of us. Uh, While well, we soon learn all the machinations of this investment scheme with the Russians, whatever he's trying to do with Helen Mirren is less clear, although it seems to be a long con. He gets close to her and he keeps trying to wheedle his way into her life. She's a retired Oxford professor, so you sort of think she'll catch him up in one of his many lies, but... He's a good liar. Whoa. He knows what he's doing. Sneaks the title into the review. Yeah. She also has a grandson who's always hanging around and is rightfully suspicious of McKellen. The movie is almost all plot, so beyond the basic setup from the first 10 minutes, there's not a lot of specifics I can get into without getting into real spoiler territory. I did like how the plot moved along and it takes some very unexpected directions, but at the end, I did find it was a little disappointing. Again, I don't really want to expound on that without spoiling. And it's not bad, it's just not as thrilling as I was hoping. 
Uh, I will tell you what was kind of thrilling was exactly how R-rated it is. There are a lot of swears. There's some violence, which is more graphic than I was expecting. And there's even some gratuitous nudity, which I was not expecting at all. From our lead characters? Oh, I don't know. that. No, not our lead characters. (laughs) (laughs) There's a scene which could very easily be set in a restaurant, but it's set in a strip bar. And all they do is walk through the strip bar, and you see what's going on in the strip bar, and then they go to the back and sit around a table, which they could have done in a restaurant. Okay. Yeah, so there you go. I'd also point out that it's set in 2009, for reasons that become obvious later in the movie. But because it is in 2009, one of the dates they go on at the beginning is to the movies, and the movie they see is Inglorious Bastards. They get a bit of a kick out of it, I think. I remember seeing a whole group of seniors at a matinee of Django Unchained when that came out, and they really liked it. So Tarantino seems to have fans right across the generation. Uh, like a lot of thrillers, they have a mystery element. I think a second watch would be interesting, even in just going over some of the basics here. I'm cluing into some things that felt incidental that were maybe more planned out than I first thought or realized. And that's what you want from stories like this, just to feel like the filmmakers thought it all out thoroughly and logically. And that seems to be the case here, even if it didn't have as much oomph in the final act as I was hoping for. Overall, though, I think the movie's a winner thanks to the casting. Mirna McKellen are just so watchable in every thing they do. It's hard to blow it with them carrying the load. It's a good rent for a Friday or Saturday night. Three and a half couch cushions out of five for The Good Liar. Yeah, and you uh, have since passed that Blu-ray on to me, so maybe I will check that out because I do love those two stars. They are just outstanding in everything they do. Yeah. Up next... Adam Sandler delivers, by all accounts, an outstanding performance in his latest film, which is now out on Netflix. You are listening to The Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff. He's Brett. There's a new Adam Sandler movie on Netflix this weekend, but it is not a zany comedy like so many of his movies are. No, we are back into serious actor Sandler territory with Uncut Gems. I made a crazy risk to gamble, and it's about to pay off. So I want the Celtics to cover. I want the Celtics halftime. I want Garnett points and rebounds. What do you know? I don't know. I just know. Well, I'll tell you what I know. That's the dumbest bet I ever heard of. I disagree. I disagree, Gary. This is me. This is how I win. JJ, it's game night. You should be stretching out. What is he, a coach? Uncut Gems got a wide release in the United States about six weeks ago. It did not get a wide release here in Canada. It, it did play at the Toronto Film Festival. It might have played on some art house theaters in Toronto or Vancouver or something like that, but certainly not everywhere. And it's out on Netflix now, but it's not out on Netflix in the U.S. They're going to have to buy Blu-rays and rent it and stuff like that because it got the wide theatrical release. So, ah. yeah, it's from A24, which is sort of a little production studio or whatever. So I guess they just have different options for releasing stuff around the world. And usually we get, you know, the same treatment as the U.S. does when a movie gets released just because we're neighbors, I think. But for this movie, they treat in Canada like they treat in Europe and Australia and the rest of the world so there you go so that's what's been up with that if you've you know seen stuff and you're 
social media feeds like six weeks ago about how awesome Adam Sandler was in this, and you're like, how can we never heard of it? That's why. Here's the synopsis of Uncut Gems from IMDb. A charismatic New York City jeweler, always on the lookout for the next big score, makes a series of high-stakes bets that could lead to the windfall of a lifetime. Howard must perform a precarious high-wire act balancing business, family, and encroaching adversaries on all sides in his relentless pursuit of the ultimate win. The only other name I recognized in the credits was Lakeith Stanfield, seen most recently as one of the police detectives in Knives Out. There are some cameos from the sports world. We heard Kevin Garnett there. He was an NBA player, for those who don't know him. And it sounds like the movie is set during his playing days with the Celtics, which would put it somewhere between 2007 and 2013. New York sports radio icon Mike Francesa was the guy I had to bleep out there, Gary. And there are undoubtedly a bunch of others I simply won't recognize because my knowledge of sports is sports light at best. Uncut Gems has won a ton of awards and been nominated for a ton of others, mostly in critic circles, with Adam Sandler's performance in particular being singled out. However, he has also been snubbed by a lot of organizations, including the Oscar and other award shows which have already been on. The Two Popes and Little Women have also seen a mix of recognition and being ignored, so I'd be inclined to say it's simply a case of there are too many good movies this season for everything to get included. I am definitely looking forward to watching this, although he doesn't do it a lot. Adam Sandler can turn in a powerful dramatic performance when he wants to. Uncut Gems out now on Netflix. The trailer, by the way, was filled with F-bombs and threats of violence, so I imagine it's meant for grown-ups. Yeah, when you say that he can turn in the performance when he wants to. I think that's one of the most frustrating things about Adam Sandler's career is he is, he's very obviously capable as a funny man. He's tremendously funny. Yeah. But he proved it. What was it called? Funny People? There was Funny People. There was Punch Drunk Love before that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like he is a good actor, but he just chooses (laughs) to do these juvenile, lousy films. So it's nice to see him doing something like this. It kind of reminds me of a similar trajectory for Nicolas Cage. It was also, I think he is an, when he's on, he is an excellent actor. Absolutely. I know he had to make a, he just made whatever movie came along because he had to, I think he had to pay back his debt to the IRS (laughs) because he had a huge tax debt, but uh, he's starting to do sort of artsy movies again. I think he's beyond it. I read a headline about him. I didn't read it, but it was just, it was like, is Nick Cage like the new, like go-to guy for good horror movies? Because I guess he's done a couple of good horror movies lately. He did that one Mandy last year, the year before. Yeah, that looked insane. Yeah. I gotta, I, I keep forgetting to watch that. I got to get my hands on that. But yeah, I'm looking very much forward to seeing what Adam Sandler does in this Uncut Gems, which once again is now available on Netflix. In the meantime, Jeff, uh, I've got a couple of minutes here. I just, yeah. what, I'm looking at EW.com and I want to bring up something about James Bond. This music is like over 20 years old. They only used it once. This is Moby's version. What, from The World Is Not Enough or something like that? Uh, yeah, so I can't remember which one. One of the last ones with uh, Pierce Brosnan? Yeah. But uh, so the the headline here at EW.com, Daniel Craig confirms he's done. Boom. With James Bond franchise. I was no Time that... to Die. When does that open? Uh, I think that's in April as well. Uh, oh, oh yeah, April eighth, twenty twenty. I still haven't seen the last one. I watched it last weekend for the first time. Really? It had been on cable uh, some weeks before that, and I noticed it, so I just started. Uh, re- I was like, "Oh, I'll record it. I'll get to it sometime before No Time to Die comes out." And uh, yeah, and that was last weekend. And it's as maligned as it is. It's actually not a bad movie. 
The story is kind of less than impressive, which I guess obviously is the problem with it, but it looks just amazing. But it was directed by Sam Mendes, who, as we know from 1917, knows how to make a movie look amazing, right? So yeah. it's a really good-looking movie, and it's not as bad as you've heard that it is, I didn't think. Well, I'm just looking up the uh, scene of, like, oh, from 2015 already? My God. I yeah, know. I was surprised by that, too. Well, 63% on Rotten Tomatoes, so that's not terrible. No. But uh, so Casino Royale did very well critically. Yep. And then Quantum of Solace, not so much. Nope. Skyfall did well. That'll be the one that he's most remembered for. That'll be the best Daniel Craig one forever, I think. Skyfall? Yeah, yeah. I got to give that movie another shot. Yeah, 92% on Rotten Tomatoes for Skyfall. Just pulling up Casino Royale here. Oh, I don't want the 1967 version with Peter Sellers. <laughs> and Woody Allen. Uh, I got to retype that. Um, yeah, because when I went to see Skyfall... I was in a bad mood. That doesn't help. And I just didn't enjoy it. Yeah. 95% for Casino Royale. Yeah. Quantum of Solace. It's going to be like 63. Yeah, oh, what's the prediction? Yeah. Come on. 65. Oh, we were close. almost there. Okay, but since uh, since they're going on that trajectory where Casino Royale was good, Quantum of Solace, meh. Skyfall, good. Spectre, meh. Do you think No Time to Die will like bring it home? I hope so. It should. But I'm going to say it's going to be somewhere in between. It looks it's great. 76 is going to oh, be my, oh that'll be my prediction. It looks great. Just the, the action looks tremendous. And you know who does the song this time? The hottest name in music right now. Bruce Springsteen. Billy Eilish. <laughs> okay. I was going, I was p trying to pick one of your favorites. Yeah, I yeah, know. Oh, okay. Billy Eilish. It'll, it'll be the first Billy Eilish song I hear, I imagine. I wonder if she'd ever even heard of James Bond before that. That's not a knock against her, but she's, what, 17, 18 years yeah, old, and she like previously admitted that she didn't know who Van Halen was, I think. So, so if he's done after this, then they need a new Bond. Who's that going to be? This is a discussion we can have every week until they name somebody. I know that they, they were kicking the name around, and I think that's done now. Idris Elba. Yeah, I think he was aged out of it already or something like Has that. Has he been aged out? Oh, yeah. And I know they've talked about uh, having a female yeah. James Bond, sort of advancing the character that way. Emily Blunt? Oh, that would be great. That would be good. That would be, I would sign up for that hard because she uh, proved in Edge of Tomorrow, live, die, repeat. She can do action. All you need is kill. Yeah. Yeah, she is great with um, the action. I think if someone forced me to put money on it right now... Adam Sandler, Uncut Gem style, I would maybe go with Taron Edgerton. Oh! He's a hot young guy, and he's British, if they're just looking for a regular British guy, right? And he's he's got experience with the spy movies from That's the Kingsman right. series. That's true. There's a new Kingsman movie coming out, by the way. It's called The King's Man. Hang on, I'm just going to... And that's connected? Yeah, I think it's oh. a prequel. Uh, I watched the first one of those for the first time a few weeks ago as well. What'd you think of that? I, I enjoyed it. It, yeah. it was weird because it looks very... The R-ratedness didn't match up with the visual style of it or whatever. It looked like a PG kind of kids movie. Yeah. But then there's like blood and gore and F-bombs and stuff. I was like, wait, what? I think I, that's one of the reasons why I liked it. They made a kids movie for adults. Yeah, okay. If that makes sense. Yeah, Because like, yeah. yeah, that's the same feel I got from it. It was very, uh, I don't want to say cartoonish, but it felt like. But like it looks like a Jumanji movie or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So it, I think it just, it was, it was a film that was trying to appeal to the, maybe the inner child in you, but still have it made for adults. Yeah, The King's Man, it opens September 18th, hmm. 2020, and uh, I'm just seeing Aaron Taylor Johnson is in the cast, along with Rafe Fiennes, uh, Stanley Tucci, and Reese Fonza. The sequel is not quite as good as the first one, but that first one is super fun. Up next, 
Big news about the Lethal Weapon franchise this week. We'll tell you what that is next. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are The Couch Potatoes. News this week about one of the best action buddy cop series of movies ever, Lethal Weapon. Diplomatic community. It's just been revoked. Ah, classic 1990s <laughs> catchphrase, one-liner, diplomatic immunity. It's just been revoked. That's from Lethal Weapon 2. Lethal Weapon 5 might be actually happening. Now, the first one debuted back in 1987 with Mel Gibson as crazy cop Martin Riggs and Danny Glover as his uptight partner Roger Murtaugh. The sequel arrived in 1989, the threequel in 92, and then Lethal Weapon 4 in 1998, which co-starred Jet Li and Chris Rock. I, I can't believe that last one, that it's been over 20 years since Lethal Weapon 4. Here's a quote from producer Dan Lin on Lethal Weapon 5. We're trying to make the last Lethal Weapon movie. And Dick Donner's coming back. Richard Donner, the original director. The original cast is coming back, and it's just amazing. The story itself is very personal to Donner. Mel and Danny are ready to go, so it's about the script. So the last we heard on Lethal Weapon 5 was back in February 2018, when Richard Donner said the following. Quote, I'm ready to do five. It's called Lethal Finale. It's very dark, and we were all set to go, and now Warner Brothers is doing their old-fashioned tricks. Not Warner Brothers. There's this guy who runs the studio who's great, but they have these people in the legal department who do the negotiating in the most counterproductive way. They should be sent to a studio and work with the producers and directors and actors and learn what makes a film and then negotiate. But it's just embarrassing, and it's too bad because there's a wonderful writer named Channing Gibson who wrote four for me, and we have a really great story. It is dark, but I wanted to end it on an emotional note, and I don't think it's going to happen. It's heartbreaking. So... Back in February 2018, they had the story they wanted ready to go, but for whatever reason, there were some problems on the legal end. But now, jump to February 2019, January, February 29, or 2020, we're a month into the new year, and I still think it's 2019. It'll take me to June. Yeah. So jump to January slash February 2020, and it looks like this thing could actually get off the ground. Now, Jeff, I know you haven't seen no. any of these Lethal Weapon movies, but uh, they it, it really is one of the best. Like they, The two of them had such great chemistry together uh, in terms of buddy cop movies. They are hilarious together, but these movies also have some serious action. Like These are thrilling, sort of classic... 80s and 90s action films and they've got tons of heart mel gibson was great danny glover was great so the idea that they could come back and do another one of these i actually am really excited about that prospect so if that movie does get made i will watch the other four for sure because that seems like something that you'd want to see in theaters. You should watch them anyway. I might just do that. Yeah, why not? They're super fun. I got have to look at see if they're available on any of the streaming services. And if I don't have to try to just like 
make a decision on what movie I should watch, if it can be done for me in any manner, I am always all for that because I waste so many Friday nights trying to pick something. I am curious, though, to see how those movies have aged. I would imagine Lethal Weapon 4 probably okay. is a little dated. Lethal Weapon, night, like the original from yeah. 87, probably just screams, you know, sort of that, that vintage 80s action flick. But that's far enough in the past now that it feels like its own era, and it's not like, oh, that's just old and lame. It just feels like a set era. And that's just the way things are. So, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it doesn't feel, you know it's dated, but it doesn't bother you like something from the late 90s might, because it's just like, ugh, I still have that shirt in my closet kind of thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. Yeah, like, I watched True Romance recently, which was, of course, written by your pal, Quentin Tarantino, yeah. but directed by Tony Scott. And... I'm reluctant to say that I I didn't quite like it as much as I once did just because it felt so dated. Yeah. And I, I know that's I shouldn't be looking at it that way. Like, I should look at it as a reflection of its period. But I, I don't know. I just, I, I think I would almost need to watch it again, having refreshed myself now. I saw parts of Independence Day this week on TV. Yeah. And the special effects are terrible in that movie. <laughs> it's like, how are the special effects in this worse than Back to the Future, which was more than 10 years before it. They were like groundbreaking visual effects I know, in 1996. I, I know, and then watching it this week, I was like, oh, that looks so cheap. Okay. It's just weird. Yeah, it is funny how the, how what was once upon a time like just yeah. mind-blowing, now not so much. T-Rex in uh, Jurassic Park still stands up. I know, I don't understand <laughs> how that works when, they're t- when the T-Rex is chasing them through the dark. That should not look good, but it looks great. Just want to quickly mention this here. Do you remember a film starring Jim Carrey called The Mask? Spoken! Somebody stop me! It's party time! P-A-R-T. Why? Because I gotta! Jim Carrey (laughs) says he would be interested in doing a sequel with a condition. From 1994, The Mask, one of the most iconic roles of his career. It's a fantasy comedy about a lowly bank clerk who finds this magical mask that transforms him into a zoot-suited gangster with crazy powers. So he fights crime and gets the girl... Uh, then new to the big screen, Cameron Diaz. Movie was a smash hit. He got a Golden Globe nomination for the movie, but he never did a sequel. Eventually, there was a spin-off sequel, Son of the Mask, which arrived in 2005. Two terrible reviews, and it was a big flop. Now, while promoting Sonic the Hedgehog, which opens Valentine's Day, Carey told ComicBook.com he could be convinced to return to the Dark Horse Comics world of the Mask. He says, "Quote: I don't think in terms of sequels and stuff like that. I mean, this one, Sonic the Hedgehog, is kind of right for it because we have not." evolved the character dr eggman fully just yet the mask i think myself you know it would depend on a filmmaker it depends on a filmmaker really i don't want to do it just to do it but i would only do it if it was some crazy visionary filmmaker sure so no mask sequel yet but carrie is open to the idea if the right filmmaker is involved and that's all the time we've got hopefully he does an ace ventura movie. yes that's what i would love to see absolutely ace ventura pet detective i'm brad he's jeff we are the couch potatoes Subscribe to the podcast if you haven't done so already. And remember, if it requires getting up off the couch, don't bother.